By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information and that the views and opinions expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the policies, views, or positions of Moody's Corporation and its affiliates. Hi, welcome to another episode of Moody's Talks Muniland, the podcast about credit dynamics in U.S. public finance. I'm your host, Nick Samuels, from Moody's U.S. public finance team in New York. Endowments are not the largest revenue stream at most universities, but as the higher education sector continues to face widespread credit stress, every dollar counts. A steep drop in endowment investment returns last year exacerbates higher education's credit challenges. But maybe not as much as one might think. Endowments are managed for the long haul, and the full brunt of 2022's investment declines won't be felt for several years. In fact, huge gains realized before the market slowdown are more likely to impact how universities decide to tap endowments and manage budgets in the year ahead. For an honors course on recent endowment performance and what they mean for credit, welcome to Liz Clark, the Vice President for Policy and Research at Nakubo, which recently released its 49th annual study of university endowments, and also one of Moody's own higher education analysts, Susan Schaefer. Liz and Susan, welcome to Muniland. Hi, delighted to be here. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having us. All right. Before we start, I should note that Liz's views are her own and not those of Moody's. And so, Liz, every year, NACUBO, that's the National Association of College and University Business Officers, releases, and bad pun coming here, a wealth of information in its endowment study. Give us a high-level summary of what you found this time. Thanks, Nick. We had 678 institutions participate in our study this year. They represent about $807 billion in endowment assets. They are endowments that are put to work to support the mission of colleges and universities across the country. And we include Canadian institutions as well in part of our study. Overall, this year, The value of those endowments declined about 4%, but even with a decline, more than $25 billion, in fact, $25.85 billion were distributed from endowments to help support the missions of those institutions, typically education, research, and public service. The report looks at the year beginning July 1, 2021, and ending June 30, 2022. And when we look at an FY21 versus an FY22 comparison, there was essentially negative 8.0 average return. There was a lot to respond to in terms of economic factors over the past year, and we were not surprised to see negative returns overall. All right, Liz. So for different types of colleges and universities, have endowments performed differently? So for example, do the large state schools or the Ivy League ones perform better than other groups? And if they do, why? 
Yes, actually, there are differences in performance, but it's not necessarily by those factors that you just listed. In fact, there are several public universities, three public universities in the top 10 endowments by value in our study this year. So uh, it's not necessarily whether you're a public institution or a private institution. The performance, as we saw in our study, is more driven by the total assets under management. And we really did see that the largest endowments, those over a billion dollars, performed much better than those under 50, 25, or even less than $25 million. So there was a significant disparity in performance. That being said, there were declines across all sizes of assets under management by these endowments. Okay, Susan, let's turn to you. Endowments are only one revenue stream for universities. So then what is the credit impact of a plunge in endowment performance like the one that we've just seen? And put that in the context of something that you've discussed on Muniland before, which is the negative sector outlook that's caused in part by soft revenue growth. Sure. Thanks, Nick. So endowments are managed with a long-term outlook and with the goal of maintaining purchasing power really in, in in theory in perpetuity. So there's an inherent expectation that there's going to be investment return volatility over time, but that over the long term, investment growth of endowments is going to cover the annual distributions that universities use to fund the areas that Liz was just talking about to cover the cost of inflation so that so that the funds will be there to benefit future generations. And annual distributions from endowments are specifically structured so that a big swing in one year won't blow a budget or, for that matter, give the next year's budget a huge boost. Typically, annual payouts are based on a trailing average of cash and investments. So Moody's uses 5% of the average of the past three years' cash and investments. Some universities use something similar. Some use a trailing 12-quarter average. Some use a percentage-based model that looks at the percentage of the last year's payout plus some proportion that reflects an increase or decrease based on investment returns. So a drop in fiscal 22 doesn't impact fiscal 22's endowment spending. It impacts 20, fiscal 23, 24, and 25. And speaking to today, given how strong returns were back in 21, cash and investment levels generally are still higher than they were a few years ago, even with this week 22. So even universities, as Liz was saying, there still is good news. Universities are still benefiting from that. When, when 22 returns start to flow through, endowment spending levels will still be higher than they were a year or two ago. They just won't keep increasing, certainly not at the pace they increased because of fiscal 21. And Nick, you mentioned our outlook, which is negative for the higher education. And is this a key driver of that? Not, not necessarily. I'd say it's a contributor, not a key driver. The key drivers were more things that have an immediate impact on budgets like high inflation, labor challenges, cost of returning to really full campus operations after a period of not full campus operations. Liz also mentioned that some schools fared better than others. And we've talked often on this show about the challenges facing regional public universities and the challenges facing smaller private ones. So how will poor endowment performance affect that group of schools? Will it make things even more difficult for them? You, you hit the nail on the head with that, Nick. Something that really struck me when I was reading through this report and that Liz mentioned a moment ago is this disparity between these 
very wealthy institutions and the ones that have much smaller endowments. And if you look at this at, at their website, there is a great visual that shows this and how the weakest quartile of returns for the most wealthy schools, so the ones that have over a billion dollars, was higher than the best quartile of returns for those schools that had, I think it was 100 million and under. So um, it was like an 8% decline for those over a billion in the lowest quartile and an 8 to 10%-ish decline for the best performers of, of the lowest or the least wealthy institutions. So just like so we've talked about on Muniland before, the smaller places end up getting pinched more and more while the biggest places feel less of that. And this will play out for smaller private colleges that don't have a lot of wealth, regional public institutions over the next few years at the same time that they're already suffering from increased expenses that I just mentioned as drivers of our negative outlook. All right. And Susan, the markets continue to be volatile. There's no reason to think that endowment performance will be better this fiscal year. And usually when the markets are down, donations go down also. So what do universities do in response to that? And what's the credit effect? So this, again, was not a main driver of our negative outlook, but certainly was a contributor to it. Donors did step up during the beginning of the pandemic, and there, there may be at this point a little donor fatigue from that. And again, donors who may have been happier to give when their investment accounts were, were booming can be pulling back from that now. And is it the wealthiest donors who are really planning out major gifts over time or major gifts to support initiatives that are particularly important to them or the institution they care about aren't necessarily the ones that are going to be have, have the biggest impact here. It's more the smaller donors who are giving from discretionary money that they just may not have to give this year. Now, is that going to really impact budgets right now? I would say not so much. Similar to endowment returns, not impacting not quite so much. It does this giving does have a more immediate impact on this year's like fiscal 23's budget. But just like business officers that report to to Nakubo for this survey, the philanthropic and development officers are pretty savvy in planning their budgets and estimating what giving will be like over a certain period of time. And they get to adjust that during the course of a year. So they can look at their records of what happened when we had a fiscal crisis, what happened when we've had other downturns in the market and how that impacted giving, and they can adjust their projections accordingly. Gifts are a small portion of revenue at public universities. They're two to three percent is the median, and at privates, it's six to seven percent. So it, t- tuition, state revenue, in some cases, investment returns are bigger drivers of an annual budget. Both of you have done a lot of thinking about what 2023 holds for the higher education environment. Enrollment challenges, rising labor costs, volatile endowments. Is there any reason to think that the prospects for higher ed will improve as the year goes on? Liz, you go first. I think there's a lot to be optimistic about here. I think that the important story here is to focus on the actual dollars distributed by endowments. And what we have here is real evidence of the endowment model, that even in a year where returns decline, more dollars are available. And that's exactly what our business officers are looking for. They're looking for endowments that are managed in a way that provides stability, that they can maintain current operations and respond to inflationary pressure 
pressures. That may be getting more difficult. I'm not saying the outlook is rosy, but we are still operating under a model that provides an ability to do that. I think there are also really important things to look at here. When we looked at how endowment spending was distributed by purpose, we saw that most dollars are going to student financial aid. And typically when endowment dollars are going to student financial aid, they are going to grant aid. That's aid that does not need to be paid back in the manner of a student loan. So we see this increasing dedication to student financial aid, more dollars available to grant aid that responds directly to enrollment and admissions pressures and goes, again, right to the heart of mission, the educational mission of our institutions, as well as their other missions, other areas that we saw institutions investing in with their endowment spend were in faculty and in research. And that goes right to the heart of the research enterprise at many of these large large, complex universities. So again, there's no shortage of challenges that our institutions are responding to, but I think this report gives us a lot of confidence in this mechanism for supporting revenues at colleges and universities. Susan, what about you? What does this mean for credit? So Nick, I speak with a lot of university budget officers during the course of a week, and what I'm hearing is still conservative budgeting, trying to navigate a changed higher education landscape, working closely with faculty, with staff in terms of planning what programs, you know, how programs might change in looking at physical structure, where investment needs to be made, where can they afford to make investment now? Is this a good time to take out debt or not? So there's just still, there's still a lot of uncertainty in the sector. All right. Susan and Liz, thanks so much. That's all for now from Muniland. I'm Nick Samuels. Join us the second Thursday of every month. We'll talk with you then. Thanks for listening to this Moody's Talks podcast. To find out more about the topics discussed, please follow the links in the show notes. You can check out other Moody's Talks podcasts by visiting moody's.com slash podcasts.